Out front next, breaking news. The Israeli government meeting behind closed doors for more than five hours, debating a deal to free more than 230 hostages. Is a breakthrough about to be announced this hour? We're going to speak to the family of the youngest American hostage, a three-year-old girl. Plus, the NFL saying it will stick with Elon Musk and keep advertising on X, even as major companies cut ties over anti-Semitic posts. What about the U.S. government, who happens to be one of Musk's biggest clients, and likening abortion to the Holocaust? Our K-File reviewing more than 100 times of Speaker Mike Johnson's interviews, and you will want to hear a lot more of what he uncovered there. Let's go out front. And good evening. I'm Aaron Burnett. Out front tonight, the breaking news. We are standing by for a crucial vote with the fate of more than 230 people hanging in the balance. Israel's full cabinet is now meeting and about to vote at any moment. It is, of course, past two in the morning there. They're voting on a deal to release some of the hostages that were taken from Israel on October 7th in that horrific terrorist attack. We are going to bring you the news as soon as that vote takes place. The full cabinet, I want to be clear here, has already been meeting through the hours of the night here into two o'clock in the morning, five hours already meeting, debating details of the agreement. What we know so far was on the table is that 50 women and children taken by Hamas on October 7th would be released as part of this deal. In exchange, Israel would release three Palestinian prisoners for every Israeli civilian that is released. So a three for one deal. The deal also calls for a four to five day pause in the fighting for this release, which would be staggered. And it allows people from the Red Cross to visit those still being held hostage and in need of medical assistance. Now, President Biden today saying the two sides are now closer to a deal than they've been in weeks. We're now very close, very close. Uh, We could bring uh, some of these hostages home very soon. And it could be very soon if the deal passes. The first hostages could be released in just about 24 hours. CNN is learning that one of the hostages that America is hoping will be released is a three-year-old, Abigail Moore Idan. She's the youngest American hostage. Her parents were killed by Hamas. And in a moment, I'm going to speak with Abigail's cousin, along with Daniel Lifshitz. His grandfather, his grandmother was released by Hamas last month. It is his grandfather who is still being held captive tonight. Is still hoping for possible good news. Now, word of today's deal comes as the Israeli government has come under intense pressure to free the hostages and to do so no matter what deal is on the table. Just a short time ago, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu made the case to his cabinet that the deal will give Israel the upper hand in fighting Hamas. Here's why, he says. All the security forces support it fully. They made it clear in their full professional assessment that the security of our forces will be guaranteed during the days of the ceasefire and that the intelligence effort will be maintained during these days. They understood that not only will the war effort not be compromised, on the contrary, this will allow the IDF to prepare for the continuation of the fighting. It's a hugely significant thing to say because it's a complete about face. They had been saying any pause would only favor Hamas. So the fact that he is now saying this and has changed his tune so significantly is very important in terms of a likelihood of hostages being released. And we are learning tonight that Israel says it has pushed further into a tunnel underneath the Al-Shifa hospital complex. They have released two more images of what they claim is a blast door that they've now breached, which they say would lead into that further network of tunnels they say is there. We have a lot of 
of breaking news to cover. Matthew Chance begins our coverage uh, live in Tel Aviv. Alex Marquardt is in Washington for us as well. Matthew, though, on the ground where you are, the cabinet uh, meeting, uh, that debate over the hostage deal now heading into a sixth hour, obviously after two o'clock in the morning uh, where you are. Uh, how close do you think they are to a vote? And, and what is the main holdup as to why this is going into a sixth hour? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think we're pretty close to a vote because virtually all of the ministers inside that cabinet, and there's approximately, you know, 40 or so uh, cabinet ministers that we're talking about, have said what they want to say. Everybody gets the ability to speak, and that's why it's taken uh, so long. There are some uh, objections as well amongst the, particularly the right-wing members of the Israeli coalition at the moment. One of the objections is what guarantees are there that if there's a pause in the fighting, that the fighting will be able to resume uh, once uh, the uh, the hostages that are to be released are actually released. Because uh, the right-wing parties, in particular, and and, and Benjamin Netanyahu has, has said this 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 is something that he's, is a priority for him as well. They want to make sure that the military objectives uh, to destroy Hamas are fulfilled, and that this uh, hostage negotiation, this hostage deal doesn't derail uh, the ability of the Israeli armed forces uh, to, to strike hard, to continue to strike uh, at Hamas and other Palestinian militant groups uh, inside Gaza. There's also concern uh, been expressed, according to the uh, Israeli officials that I've been speaking to, mm-hmm. about the fact that it's just about 50 people that are being negotiated for. Um, the concern being that not only is that women and children, but, but none of the men, but but once 50 women and children have been released, what will be the international pressure on Hamas to release the men? Uh, it will be decreased. And, and that's right. one of the concerns uh, that uh, cabinet ministers are looking for assurances from before they green light this deal. But the expectation still is that that deal will indeed be green lighted. But obviously it's a it's a protracted debate, a protracted process, Erin. Absolutely. I mean, going into the sixth hour, and we all know, of course, that War Cabinet has had many eatings, meetings into the early hours of the morning, uh, but at, after 2 a.m. Okay, uh, Matthew uh, is going to stay with us, of course, as we uh, await uh, details and, and whether we get that vote here anytime now, uh, 2.06 a.m. in Tel Aviv. Uh, Noah Naftali joins me now because her three-year-old cousin is Abigail. Abigail is the youngest American hostage taken by Hamas. Uh, you see uh, a picture of her there uh, that the family has chosen to share. And and Noah, um, you know, sitting with you, you're, you're just sitting waiting, waiting to find out uh, whether there will be a release and whether she will be a part of it. Um, uh, do you do you believe? Are you letting yourself believe that that this could finally be the moment? We have to keep a bit of hope so that we can keep functioning. But until Abigail is home with her family, we we can't celebrate anything or or be happy. No, and I mean, uh, do you read? I mean, I guess it's impossible to read anything into it. But I mean, how are you even managing this moment? They go into a cabinet meeting, one hour, two hours. I mean, we're now going into the sixth hour. Um, everything hangs in the balance for you. For 45 days now, this has been our lives. Everything hangs in the balance of of every moment. Every moment our hearts are with Abigail. We don't know where she is or how she's doing. And this is just a continuation of that torture. Her birthday's Friday. Her birthday's on Friday. And she turns four. Yeah. Mm. Um, You know, I'm just thinking children that age does... I mean, she may not even know what day it is. Obviously, she probably doesn't. But does she even know 
the date of her birthday, right? I mean, something that's so important to all of you and you don't even know. Well, we, we really hope that she's with her neighbors, uh, mother and three children. And she was with them when she was taken. She was hostage. with them when she was taken. And um, if they know the date, they know her birthday. Mm. Um, the details of what she went through I, are incomprehensible. Uh, her parents were killed and she saw that happen. She actually saw it. Uh, you've said her father was holding her uh, when he was killed. And um, she crawled out and ran to that neighbor's house. <sighs> how, do you even, how do you even process what she existed through? We don't. And we, we're just waiting to be able to hug her. This, this girl belongs at home with her family. After everything she went through, she needs to be with her family. And she has older brother and sister, six and ten. Um, they are going through horrific loss and trauma. Uh, but they must just miss her so much every day. How, how do you all even handle talking to them about this? It's really difficult. It's really difficult to, you know, we all want to protect children. It's impossible now to protect these children from some of the most horrible things in the world. And... At least they are with their grandparents and their aunt and uncle who can be there for them and make sure that they get the care and the love that they deserve. And, and we hope Abigail will be with them soon, too. And I know that, um, you know, it's, it's hard to hold out the hope that you must feel right now and, and that if this is passed, that, that she would be in that first group and you just don't know. Um, but, but what do you say to members of that war cabinet right now, people who are holding out, who are saying, for these reasons that they gave, right, this is why they want to wait, or they want to make sure they have assurances on, on when a fighting will resume. What do you say to them? I am not a politician. Neither is Abigail. Neither are many of these hostages. And I, I wish I had a good answer, but I, I hope that they will do everything that they can do to bring our loved ones back, our grandparents, aunts and uncles, family members, they belong at home, and, and I hope that they understand that and are doing everything that they can do to bring them home. Mm. Well, I think our, the whole world's thoughts are, are, are with all of them, and of course this youngest, um, this youngest little American girl, Abigail, and mm. that she will be home when she turns four. Just pray for that. Thank you. Noah, thank you. And uh, as Noah and I are speaking, you know, we'll, we'll see when, when that that vote comes, but it is this human face, this human loss, this little girl, and so many others. Their lives are what are at stake right now as that war cabinet meets. And right now, we have two guests with us with decades of experience in hostage negotiations and exchanges, Phil Andrew and Rob D'Amico, both formerly with the FBI. I appreciate both of you being with us. And Rob, you know, you, you, you hear Noah, right? I mean, this is a three-year-old little girl, she's going to turn four on Friday, right? These are, these are the human beings who right now, their lives are on the line in what is happening. Um, does, what, what do you read into, Rob, what is happening in the war cabinet uh, and the entire, the entire Israeli cabinet right now, entering a sixth hour without a vote? Well, I think there's a lot of arguing going back and forth. Are they getting uh, as much as they can out of this exchange? How is it, how is it going to... Uh, end what they want and, and continue what they want. So I, that many people trying to agree on anything is bad. Normally in negotiations, you don't have that many people in, involved in actual decision. Um, and the other bad part is the families. Uh, so many of the hostage negotiations and recoveries we've done overseas, 
the families really don't know about it because it's, it's an absolute roller coaster. As, as you were just talking to a mom, um, the ups and downs, we've had hostages, uh, re- recovered people um, getting on planes and then having to get off and other people things because it's, it's crashed at the last second. They end up happening, but those last minute details really get in there and the families are going through this and, and it's so tough. I mean, and it's so public. Phil, what, 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 what do you say about something like this actually being executed, right? You're talking about hostages who are not in the same location, right? They're, may, they're being held, we believe, in groups, but in different places by different members of Hamas and some possibly by not members of Hamas in an exchange that would not be all 50 at once, right? Assuming that 50 is indeed the number as has been uh, widely reported in the Israeli press, right? That there would be 10 one day, 10 another day. How does something like this even, how do you even orchestrate it? Well, it is incredibly complex. And one of the ways that you begin it is just by very, very carefully listening and building some rapport and trust as you're doing that listening and, and demonstrating that you're endeavoring to really understand the, 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 the real nuances and details of both the hostage takers and understanding all of the complexities of, of the additional parties. These, these negotiations are going through third parties yes. and you have to understand there and, and really pinpoint these details. This is a critical time. And as this is being discussed with the, with, with, with the, people, the, even that is such a critical point to show that, that this is actually carefully being considered mm-hmm. and, and a yes is given to this that there's real deep commitment to following through on it with with fidelity. And Rob, you know, the word fidelity. Okay, look, when you think about the negotiation for Brittany Griner, right, you had two parties, the U.S. and Russia, who uh, are, 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 are in the middle of a, a proxy situation in Ukraine, right? There's no trust, but they were managed to do a deal. All right, is that something that applies here when you're in a, in a situation where you are literally pausing the fighting for a few days and Israel has made clear at the end of those days, it is going to go right back in and it says, you know, kill every member of Hamas. Uh, that, 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 ha- how do you do a deal in that context? You have to have trust at, at the present moment. And, and it, it can really seem complicated but the people that are carrying out, again, you have intermediaries like the Qataris who have more trust with the Hamas, yes. and then the Israelis who have more trust with us, that in fact, it's it's so delicate. One thing that happens in here that's not right, if someone perceives they're, they're slighted or didn't get what they were promised, it can affect the rest of them. So each time they do this, and there's, and there's going to be five times that they're going to do this, and something goes wrong, each side can, and can feel that way. But it's trust at the moment. And, and unfortunately, you have to trust some of these people. We've released hostages and then had to wait a day or two in order for them, uh, for like the Haqqanis, to get them back over in Afghanistan. And that's trust. Yeah, no, it is. And as you say, trust with a counterparty that you don't trust. I mean, it's a, somehow at that personal level. Um, Phil, you know, when, when, when Rob talks about five, five stages for these, it's because the understanding is it would be 10 at a time. Uh, but we also understand under the deal that's being discussed right now that it would be three Palestinians being released, three Palestinian prisoners being held in Israel for each hostage released by Hamas. What do you make of the terms of that deal? 
Well, there's precedent for this in prior hostage exchange or prisoner exchange with Hamas and Israel. There's been a ratio, and this is this is actually less a ratio than we've seen in the past. So mm-hmm. that that helps shape people's perception as to what they might be due, and it has to be met. All right. Well, both of you, thank you very much. As we uh, await possible news here, any moment of this of this vote. Uh, which literally could come any moment, has been a bit delayed. Thank you. And next, as our breaking news continues, we're getting new details about uh, the U.S. understanding of some of the details here in the negotiations. We also, this hour, a ruling tonight in Georgia's election case over social media posts like this. Emoji, uh, can you just spell that word as opposed to for profanity in the record? Yes, ma'am. It's a, an emoji of poop or fecal matter emoji. And that's not from Trump. And more companies tonight distancing themselves from Elon Musk's ex after he endorsed an anti-Semitic post. The U.S. government, though, is still paying Elon Musk billions of dollars. A special report tonight. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life. I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff. And some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. And the breaking news, we are waiting at any moment. Israel's cabinet wrapping up what is now in its sixth hour of debate on a potential deal to release dozens of Hamas hostages with a vote, a deal that President Biden was involved with personally. The president said he worked on it intensively for weeks, and Alex Marquardt is out front with more. So, Alex, um, this has been... This has obviously been in progress for quite some time, but but now we are here on the cusp, possibly, of something actually happening. What details are you learning about how involved the U.S. has been and how effective and important that involvement has been? Well, they've been involved uh, since the very beginning, since these hostages were taken back on October 7th. And and that is both because uh, they have a lot at stake here. Some 10 American citizens who are still missing, believed to be held hostage by Hamas, including that three-year-old whose cousin you were just speaking with, Abigail Edan. She's turning four uh, on Friday. There was, of course, a a hope and an expectation that she would be among uh, the 50 hostages who we believe are set to be released uh, in the coming days. But the U.S. has had a 
major role because they also have leverage with all of the players involved. They speak with all of the players involved, Israel, Qatar, Egypt. Of course, the U.S. does not engage directly with Hamas. Uh, that is uh, essentially why Qatar has been deputized by the U.S. to, to lead that conversation. But the U.S. Has, has a lot of power there. And so what we've seen over the course of the past few weeks are the most senior members of the Biden administration spending hour after hour, day after day on this issue. Uh, the top Middle East official for the White House, Brett McGurk, just got back from uh, a trip to the region that lasted more than a week. He crisscrossed the region, stopping in different countries, in, in, including Doha uh, in, in Qatar. Uh, we've also seen the director of the CIA have an absolutely pivotal role uh, in engaging with uh, with his counterpart in Israel, with the Qataris. And then President Biden himself, we're told by the White House earlier today, uh, the White House's John Kirby saying that the president would ask for multiple updates every day, jumping in uh, on a personal level as he felt it was appropriate. And then we also heard president, uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu today personally thanking uh, President Biden for essentially working out uh, a better deal uh, for Israel. So we do expect that U.S. engagement to continue as mm -hmm. they continue to try to get more hostages uh, out uh, of Gaza. Right. Aaron. Of course, I say if, if this does happen, of course, it's 50 and there are at least 230 still there. So uh, it is uh, the uh, minority uh, of who are still being held hostage. Thank you very much, Alex. And I want to go to Daniel Lifshitz now. He's here with me. Our viewers will remember, Daniel, you and I last spoke uh, in Tel Aviv. Uh, it was right after your grandmother was released. She had been taken hostage. Your grandfather is still obviously being held. And I know that tonight um, you don't expect for any reason that he would be a part of this. I mean, obviously he's old, he's, he's, he's ill, but uh, we understand this is just for women and children. How do you process that? So first of all, I don't want to speculate on who's going, but uh, obviously that's the deal. And... For me personally, I feel that every hostage that will be released is a part of my family now. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm coming from Kibbutz Niroz, when one of every four... One of four hostage. One of, think about two million people in New York would be violently kidnapped or brutally uh, murdered. What would you do? Mm -hmm. Would fight for that every day. So I still have 75 family members from my family being held as a hostage. So every hostage coming out will be a family member going out because also I met such an amazing people among those hostages' families yes. in my tours. So I f would feel so good and so much relief for every hostage that come back and I will keep fighting for every hostage that is still there. How is your grandmother doing and even processing this, that this is happening? knowing your grandfather, you know, may not be among this group, but that he's still there. How is she handling it? So first of all, I'm, I'm already here for a week. Yeah. I've been in America for a week, going from uh, Texas to New York to meeting D.C. Meeting with evangelical churches. Meeting with uh, Jewish communities, meeting with senators, meeting with so many people. So um, when I left, I know that my grandmother was in a very good physical condition already. Mm -hmm. She recovered physically and uh, mentally. She's very worried about the hostages and my grandfather. So I think those news would be amazing for her. And I'm looking forward to come back and see mm -hmm. what she's saying and feel with her, the feeling of another hostages being released. You know what it's like to have a family member released and you know what it's like to still have somebody missing, right? You're, you're in this 
you know, betwixt and between. Yeah. But um, is there anything that you can say to people who, who may be about to be given, may be about to get a, a moment of joy, unbelievable and unexpected joy, and yet the person that is coming home is a person who has been through horrific things, horrific trauma. What do you, what, do you, what, what can you say to those families who may be about to walk, walk in your shoes? Fill them, fill what they need, ask them what they feel, let them speak if they want to speak, let them be quiet if they want to be quiet. And I, before of that, I wish all those families of the hostages that will be released to, to have this amazing feeling of the family member crossing from the Gaza Strip to, uh, Israeli, to the Israeli part, crossing that border, having that relief, and for the other families, I promise personally so that I will fight for my grandfather and keep fighting for all those hostages because it somehow I feel like the, the world got mad. We, we have peace activists, civilians, babies and uh, elderly there in Gaza and some reports and some uh, UN meetings and uh, that's not the first topic every day. And all of us as the people in the world today have to feel that those hostages are part of their family. And it's unimaginable to think 83 years old man, my grandfather, the greatest peace activists in the world is held hostages in Gaza, as a hostage in Gaza. So I'm really calling now Thanksgiving is even coming. Put another chair for a hostage at home, put, fill them, think about them. Mm. That's the best activist, active you can do. The best act you can do is to have another hostage to be in your heart, to think about him, because there are so many hostages, but pick one, feel it personal, mm -hmm. make that happen. Bring them home on the best, feeling will be to any family to be concentrated in one hostage and suddenly is coming home. And right. that's how we will bring all of them. All right. Well, we hope, we hope that there will be the beginning of some more possibly good news uh, any, any moment. Daniel, thank you very much. Thank you. Good to see you. And next, Trump going tonight after the New York Attorney General and the judge in his business fraud case as one of his Georgia co-defendants was in court today defending his own insulting posts on social media. A major business is now cutting ties with Elon Musk for spreading an anti-Semitic message, but not the U.S. government. In fact, the Pentagon just gave Musk another $1.2 billion. Our special report out front ahead. Tonight, a surprising ruling for a Trump co-defendant in the Georgia election interference case, and it could have significant implications for Trump himself. A judge actually refused to revoke bond for Harrison Floyd. Harrison Floyd is the head of Black Voices for Trump, and Floyd was accused of intimidating co-defendants and witnesses with his social media posts. Sound familiar? Well, of course it does, right? And Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis is personally arguing the case. It is the first time she has appeared in court to do so. Here's an investigator on Willis's team reading in court a tweet from Floyd. This is what Floyd wrote about the Georgia Secretary of State and a top election official. Both are Republicans, well known to viewers of this show, 
who stood up against Trump's election lies. The content is as follows. Black American Dems want the black Trump guy to tell on the racist white Republicans, but only if it's President Trump, question mark, LOL. Look, the truth is that at Georgia Secretary of State and at Gabriel Sterling are the pieces of, and it's a Emoji, can you just spell that word as opposed to for profanity in the record? Yes, ma'am. It's a, an emoji of poop or fecal matter emoji. Um, they are the pieces of that emoji you should be mad at. All right, I want to go to Evan Perez. He's been following this hearing all day. And Evan, um, you know, saying go straight after these pieces of uh, you know what. Uh, the similarities in this case, though, to what has been happening with Trump cannot be overstated, but it appears that the bar now is very high to prove that someone intimidated witnesses or threatened them through social media posts. Yeah, look, what you saw from Scott McAfee today, uh, the judge in this case, Aaron, is an example of how far judges are going to bend over backwards to try to accommodate defendants who do have a right to criticize their prosecution. Of course, they have a right to free speech. And they're very reluctant to shut down a witness. And in this case, uh, Fannie Willis, the, the DA there in, in Atlanta, was in Fulton County, was seeking to have his bail revoked for him to go back to jail because of the violation of the terms of his, of his release. And what the judge said was that this was a technical violation. And, uh, but he, he said that what he wanted instead was for some adjustments to be made to the release terms. Here's Fannie Willis arguing strenuously for, uh, for, this, uh, to, 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 for him to be sent back to jail. He was given an opportunity to cooperate with the rules of this case, and what he really did was spit on the court and refuse to oblige by three of the seven conditions of this bond order. And, and what you're seeing there, uh, certainly from what the judge uh, did in, in Atlanta today, uh, Aaron, is also what you're seeing a little bit from the appeals court that we, you know, we, were, we watched this yesterday, where there was a great reluctance to, uh, to, to really shut down the former president and his uh, freedom of speech, but also understanding that you need to protect witnesses, you need to protect witnesses from intimidation, and of course, you want to prote protect the trial, which is coming up. All right, Evan, thank you very much. And I want to go to Ryan Goodman now, Outfront Legal Analyst. So, Ryan, on its face, just to take a step back, it looks like it could be a victory for Trump, right? If it's okay for this guy to do this, uh, does that set the standard for what is witness intimidation or, or threats? So on that, though, I want to play one other important thing that appeared to happen in court today. Here it is. And I think that it also is very much dependent on the specific facts of the tweets and communications at issue here. And it can't be so broadly uh, defined to cover all other co-defendants. So on the issue of modification, I think that's something that we can revisit and let time to consider, unless there's something uh, the parties would like to address now uh, and want the court to be able to consider specifically what they would like to see as a modification. Okay, so can't be so broadly defined as to cover all other co-defendants and then talking about modifications. What, it, what do you read into this? So I thought the judge's cadence actually kind of signaled something. He nearly swallows his words just as he's about to say other co-defendants. I think that's Trump. Uh, Trump is very present in the room, though not necessarily mentioned as much. Mm -hmm. He's the elephant in the room. And I do also think that that's maybe why the judge was so forgiving on where he draws the line on intimidation, because if he draws the line against this particular defendant, then he's basically drawing that same line 
against Donald Trump. And so I do think judges are bending over kind of backwards to be more They're not giving everybody a longer leash. That's right. And then I think Mr. Floyd might have benefited from the fact that his co-defendant is Mr. Trump. Does this change, though, the, the line for Trump? I mean, mean that the things that he says are now going to be considered fine? I think that the Trump legal team is going to look, look very closely at what the judge said today. So the judge did say some words about what he thinks is the line of intimidation. And he said, oh, it wasn't crossed here because Mr. Floyd didn't do uh, direct messages. He didn't post personal information about these individuals. And then he said, and Mr. Floyd didn't say what should happen to them. Well, Trump has said uh, right. what should happen to like uh, Chairman Millions, the, the idea that he should be executed. So if Trump were to say those kinds of things in right. Judge McAfee's courtroom, that's intimidation. Ex- now, Trump just moments ago attacked the New York attorney general and the judge in the business fraud case. Now, he does this all the time, but this is where, you know, there's been this back and forth on a gag order. Moments ago, uh, went after the law clerk again. Uh, and as it went on, he referred to Trump-hating judge, horrendous, seething with anger, law clerk. Uh, refers to rigged trial, racist and corrupt attorney general, Trump-hating judge, goes on and on. So based on today's ruling, is that all fine? Unfortunately, it actually seems like it might be fine. I think, unfortunately, because it does really raise uh, the threat level against these individuals. And he's engaging in very degrading statements about the law clerk in particular, somebody who should otherwise remain anonymous. He's obsessed with this person. Yeah, and I can only assume that uh, the death threats against her and the like spike when he thinks, says things like this. And what Judge McAfee said today is, oh, you can say degrading statements, right? but they aren't necessarily intimidating. I think that's a problem. Right. And then, of course, just to state the obvious for, I hope, anybody watching, I mean, just to speak like that is 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 unconscionable. And uh, it's sad that that's now going to be kind of perceived as fine. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. And next, the U.S. government just giving Elon Musk $1.2 billion, even after the White House came out and condemned him for spreading anti-Semitic messages and went over to threads. And a K-File investigation tonight, shedding new light on the new House Speaker's controversial views, including what he has said about the Democratic Party. That's the problem with the radical left. They don't acknowledge a God. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. Celebrities of all kinds are speaking publicly about their therapeutic trips, so to speak. It turns out there is a burgeoning industry ready to serve the new influx of people who find themselves turning away from traditional mental health therapy. The gap between what we know and what we don't about psychedelic therapy. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. Tonight, Donald Trump heaping praise on House Speaker Mike Johnson just hours after Johnson came to see him at Mar-a-Lago. Trump saying, quote, Mike Johnson's courage will vindicate hundreds of J6 political prisoners, referring there, of course, to Johnson's decision to release 44,000 hours of footage from January 6th. Now, this is the same footage Tucker Carlson aired to downplay the insurrection, which Kevin McCarthy had refused to release more broadly. It comes as a CNN K-File review of more than 100 of the new speaker's interviews and speeches, is giving us a clear and a stark look at his views on crucial things like gay rights and abortion including this, which likens abortion to the Holocaust. It it is truly an American Holocaust. I mean, the reality is that Planned Parenthood and all these big, you know, big abortion, uh, they set up their clinics in inner cities. Um, They they are, you know, they they regard these people as, as easy prey. I mean, it's true. This is what's happening across the country now. K-Files' Andrew Kaczynski joins me now. And Andrew, um, what else have you found? You've looked through 
hundreds of interviews. Yeah, that's right. The the new House Speaker is unknown to a lot of people. He was selected pretty much overnight. Uh, there was no vetting process. He doesn't even come from a competitive district, so he's never really had a real race. So we went through hundreds of his interviews, uh, radio, television, op-eds to see what does Mike Johnson really believe? And one of the most interesting things that we found was on the day that Roe v. Wade was struck down, he called into a conservative talk radio show. Um, and I think the, the second biggest piece of news that day besides Roe was Clarence Thomas's concurring opinion where he said we should revisit the uh, – rulings that struck down uh, the same, that allowed same-sex marriage, that allowed contraceptions, that legalized gay sex. And this was an opinion that was so far out there that even the very conservative Supreme Court wasn't willing to go along with this. Thomas wrote that opinion alone. Uh, but Johnson actually very, very strongly endorses this opinion uh, from Thomas. He defends it. Uh, take a listen to him uh, right here on that day. There's been some really bad law made. They've made a mess of our jurisprudence in this country for the last, you know, several decades. And, and maybe some of that needs to be cleaned up. And what, what Justice Thomas is calling for is not radical. In fact, it's the opposite of that. Now, we should note his office told us that he views those cases at, as settled law. But we did find uh, another instance in our story in 2015 where he, it's during the presidential election, and he actually says that the new president can support, uh, appoint justices that might overturn uh, same-sex marriage. Right, right. And we know, you know, what people say is settled law is not what they necessarily think of the law. All right, Speaker Johnson has a history of anti-gay rhetoric. Uh, you have unearthed much of this. Supporting anti-gay policies, very clearly doing so. And you found out more about his personal views. Yeah, that's right. Homosexuality was something that Johnson uh, talked about a lot over the years in what we reviewed. He called it inherently unnatural. He said it was a dangerous lifestyle. We found a clip where he uh, supported a ban on gay adoptions where uh, he said that homosexuality was a behavior and because of that it wasn't protected from anti-discrimination laws. And that sort of goes into this next clip that I want to play, which is him discussing uh, what he thinks the proper role uh, of government is. Listen to what he said here. One of the primary purposes of the law and civil government is to restrain evil. We have to acknowledge collectively that man is inherently evil and needs to be restrained. That, see, that's the problem with the radical left. They don't acknowledge a God. So we also found Johnson saying that he supported uh, imprisoning abortion doctors, the elimination of hate crimes. He backed a Louisiana abortion ban that did not have exceptions uh, for rape or incest. So when he's talking about restraining evil, this is the sort of thing that he means. All right, Andrew, thank you very much. And important to find all this. He's obviously a crucial person in the U.S. government and a chain of command now. Thank you. And next, more companies tonight pulling ad dollars from Elon Musk's ex, but the U.S. government forking out billions to Musk, even after he endorsed an anti-Semitic post. A special report is next. And new pictures of what North Korea claims is a successful launch of a spy satellite tonight. Tonight, the NFL is sticking with Elon Musk, the league condemning hate speech in a statement today, but says it won't stop advertising on X after Musk agreed with a message that accused Jewish communities of hatred against whites. This is major companies like IBM, Apple, Disney and Warner Brothers Discovery, which own CNN, all pulled ads from X. One client, though, that has not stopped working hand in hand with Elon Musk is one of his most important, the U.S. government. 
Kristen Fisher is out front. The Pentagon is getting in deeper with Elon Musk. Giving Musk's private space company, SpaceX, a contract for up to $1.2 billion to send secretive spy satellites into space. But that's not all. The Pentagon is also investing up to $70 million in Starshield, a more secure version of SpaceX's massive constellation of Starlink satellites, which are vital to the Ukraine military's success against Russia on the battlefield. I can confirm that we do contract for Starlink for services in support of Ukraine uh, with the ultimate objective to be ensuring that Ukraine has the satellite communication infrastructure that it needs. And NASA couldn't send another astronaut to the moon without Elon Musk's company. Musk's Starship is the most powerful rocket ever built, and it launched on its second test flight on Saturday. NASA will spend about $4 billion on it because it will be the lunar lander of the space agency's flagship Artemis program. It's likely America's only chance to beat China to the moon in this second space race. Go Dragon, go Falcon. NASA's also reliant on SpaceX to launch astronauts to the International Space Station. For now, no other launch provider other than the Russian government can do it. SpaceX is on top because they have done the best. Doug Lavero is one of the few people who's been a top official at the two government agencies most dependent on Elon Musk's companies. And he describes NASA as being much more reliant on SpaceX than the Pentagon. SpaceX is predominant right now, but they're by no means the monopoly that we all will depend upon. While the U.S. does have other partners, SpaceX has been dependable in a dangerous business, which could explain why they continue to work with Musk, who the White House has condemned for spreading anti-Semitic messages. Last year, the United States conducted 78 successful launches, and SpaceX was responsible for 61 of them. That's the same number of launches as the Chinese government and nearly eight times the amount of SpaceX's closest U.S. competitor, the United Launch Alliance, a joint venture between Boeing and Lockheed Martin. This year, SpaceX has already surpassed that record with 85 orbital launches and counting. For now, and for the near future, the U.S. government's access to space is overwhelmingly tied to SpaceX. And a White House spokesman said Monday that he's, quote, not aware of any efforts to change that. There's innovation out there in the private sector that we'd be foolish to, to, to walk away from. I'm not aware of any specific efforts uh, to, address, to, to address our concerns over his rhetoric, uh, but that doesn't mean that we accept uh, or, or, uh, or agree with or condone in any way that anti-Semitic rhetoric that he pushed. Now, CNN has reached out to SpaceX. So far, no comment. As for NASA, it has had plans in place for years to try to reduce its dependency on one company. You have uh, Boeing Starliner spacecraft uh, designed to ferry astronauts to the space station next year. Uh, Blue Origin has a lunar lander alternative for the Artemis program. But, Aaron, the problem is that neither of those options are ready yet. Aaron? All right, Kristen, thank you very much. And Harry Anton joins me now to go beyond the numbers. I mean, it's amazing what Kristen's reporting, right? <laughs> the amount of money that the U.S. government spends. Mm. But when you look at IBM, Apple, Disney, Warner Brothers, Discovery, all these people pulling ads, does this hurt 
X's bottom line? Absolutely does, Aaron. I mean, if you look at the ad revenue they pulled in in 2022, you compare it to what's projected in 2023, it's dropped in half. It's dropped in half. Now, they're still making, you know, nearly $2 billion in ad revenue, but it's significantly less than the $4.1 billion that they made last year. Yeah, so, I mean, a 50% job is horrible. It's a horrible. It's a horrible performance. Let's just call it out. Yeah, you know you know stocks better than I do. That is not a good performance. No, it's 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 horrible. It's it's unacceptable from if you were a publicly traded company. Obviously, this isn't. So, um, but let's, who is using X right now? I mean, what is, so you're talking about advertisers coming off. Has there been a shift since Elon Musk took over? And there's been a lot more talk about the whole the whole platform shifting more right. Absolutely. If you look at the people who are regularly getting their news on Twitter, you look back in 2022, according to the Pew Research Center, it was two to one Democratic. You look now, Democrats have been leaving the platform. Republicans have been joining the platform. Now it's basically even in terms of the percentage of Democrats and Republicans who are regular users for Twitter getting their news. But here's the thing I will point out, which Mm. is that fewer people are regularly getting their news on Twitter. Right now, if you compare where we are now to compare to where we are, you want to say something? Yeah, no, I just am jumping in because we only have a few seconds yeah. left. I want to make one point. By the way, I'm sure Elon Musk would say, look, half Democrat, half Republican, that's a win. That's why I did yeah. this. Uh, has it hurt his bottom line? No, it hasn't hurt his bottom line because that's not where he makes most of his money as an X or Twitter. He makes most of his money, for instance, in Tesla, right? So what we see is that his bottom line, the amount of money that he has, he's making, he now, his net worth is more than $200 billion. That is up from $170 billion right. last year. So he'll look at this and say, I'm richer, uh, half Democrat, half Republican, and, and he sees it possibly as a win. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Harry. Thank you. And next, North Korea says it has put a spy satellite into orbit. We'll explain why. That's it for this episode of Aaron Burnett Out Front. You can check out our lineup of podcasts and showcasts at cnn.com slash audio, or of course, in your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.